Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason. I'm with Eric and Timmy. Eric's, well, he's sort of here. Eric, man, you, you still alive over there? You just, are you dead? No, man, I'm, I'm good. I, uh, I feel a lot better than I sound, probably, uh, which is a better problem to have than than the reverse, I suppose. But uh, yeah, this is hasn't been a great week, but uh, I'm I'm on the mend. I'm back towards 100. percent So, <laughs> well, we appreciate you devoting your time, even when you felt like crap all week. But uh, Timmy, what's going on with you, man? Uh, you've been a ghost in the in the group chat, man. You've been getting crushed at work. Yeah, man. Life uh, life has its responsibilities, you know. But uh, I'm still here, uh, ready to talk about some uh, good topics on the pod. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to tonight, man. Well, yeah, good topics. I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see how good they are. Uh, so I'm going to jump right into it because I don't want to waste a whole lot of time here. Because uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer out to everyone right out of the gate. This is going to be sort of a recruiting roundup type episode, uh, signing day a couple of weeks ago. So obviously we don't have enough time to go in depth with everybody's recruiting class. So nor would you want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's what I'm getting at. Don't at me on Twitter because I didn't mention your team's recruiting class. Okay. Or at me and I'll, you know, feel free to crush you if you do. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, before I get into the recruiting stuff, a little bit of breaking news after last week, we spent some time talking about Brian Harson, and apparently they didn't find anything in the investigation, Timmy, cause, uh, they announced that Harson is the guy. So initial reactions to just this dumpster fire that Auburn has been. And now Harson's going to be staying home. My initial reaction is that they're all nuts and they deserve everything that happens to them after this. Because we all know that he's not the guy and they had the perfect opportunity laying in front of him to give him an exit and they didn't take it. They stuck with him. And that just makes no sense to me, man. None. You kidding me? Well, I got to believe that they just didn't find compelling evidence to get rid of the buyout 
you know, the, the, to me, that really is the only, they're trying to fire him with costs. They don't have to pay him $18 million. And I know there's a clause in the contract in pretty much everybody's contracts that has to do with moral turpitude. So maybe they just didn't find enough stuff on all the affair rumors that were going around and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I mean, it's like you said, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't sense. sound like they were doesn't sound like they were digging deep enough, if you ask me. <laughs> right. I mean, if the entire internet knows about it, I don't know. It's kind of yeah, kind of kind of a strange situation there, Eric. I mean, do, do you agree with what Timmy's saying here? Do you think he should have been gone? Do you think? I mean, what what do you think? Well, I think the reason he's still there is, like you said, I think it really came down to, I don't think, they probably just weren't confident that they could fire him for cause and not pay him the $18 million. You know, if, if they weren't paying Gus Malzahn $20 million from firing him 15 months ago, maybe it's a different story. But when you're talking, hey, you know, almost $40 million we're paying guys to, to not coach here, you're going to struggle to get someone you want, especially at this time of the year. So I think they're probably just maybe maybe give him you know, half the season and see if they want to pull the trigger then. Maybe maybe it goes bad enough where the boosters are willing to, to kick in and offset some of that, which sometimes happen. Um, I believe that's what, or at least the perception is that's what happened with uh, Helton at USC and Willie Taggart at Florida State. But yeah, I, I think his leash is still plenty short. Hmm. Well, I, I will say this about Harson. I did a little digging and a lot of the stuff that we were hearing and that we talked about last week with the recruits who are crushing them on social media and that kind of stuff, like, you know, you're not really getting the whole story there. Like one of the players that was crushing him on social media, talking about he's a dictator and he has, he can't relate to the players and this, that, and the other. And, you know, during the season, everybody was kind of wondering why this guy wasn't on the field. It's because he couldn't pass a drug test, you know? So it's like, eh, consider the source. Because you got like TJ Finley coming out saying, look, he's, you know, doing okay. He's trying to be a good coach. We're buying in. Like, don't listen to the noise. So maybe making a little bit too much out of, you know, players crushing him and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah. So some of it also might, some of it also might be like we talked about in the group chat, you know, the guys, we talked about all the transfers and, you know, some of that might be actually by design. You know, he he might, he might be clearing house a little bit, uh, you know, to a certain extent. and which happens. So maybe it just kind of gets framed as, uh, you know, he's an ass and he's running people off. Well, maybe he's trying to run some guys off. <laughs> yeah. The Mike Leach maneuver. Yeah. Where he just like, yeah. cuts 30 players and, you know, just cleans house. Yeah. Like, okay. You don't want to buy in. Don't be here. I'm fine with that. So, but enough about Auburn. We'll see. I mean, it looks like you said, I don't think their his leash is going to be very long regardless, but another program that's just an absolute, just, ugh shambles we got news that arizona state's starting quarterback Jaden daniels is uh transferring and on top of that like i'm not really going to go into them and recruiting in depth but they did not they had one of the, i think they had the worst power five recruiting class according to 24 7 sports and now they're starting qb's transferring i mm. hello <laughs> like I, i'm lost here like if you're the school president and you're looking at this situation, there is no reason other than their athletic director used to be Herm, Ad- Herm Edwards' agent. You know, there's no other reason he should still have that job other than that. So if you're the school president, like, what are you, what are you saying to these guys? Like, hey, you going to turn it around? Or are you going to, I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, Timmy, am I crazy? No, I mean, you're not crazy. You know, the whole situation just stinks down there. It's like you said, there's some element of familiarization with the AD and Herm and 
they they all just need to go uh, for them to get right and back on track. Because if if they're just going to continue status quo, the, this kind of stuff is is going to be normal going down the road, and you know that's just not how you can operate. Agree. I'm not even going to comment on anymore. They suck. We suck. They haven't been just terrible under Herm Edwards. They haven't been good. I mean, he's 25 and 18 there thus far. But I mean, if they win six games this year, I'll be shocked. I don't know. It's just that I think they're going to stink. But before I move into the recruiting rankings and our overview, and we're going to get into all that. uh, Before I do that, I do want to tell our listeners about our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. All right. So what we're going to do, boys and girls, uh, we're going to do sort of a, a brief recap of... I mean, you know, you can go beyond the top 10, you know, in recruiting rankings. I mean, I, I'm not going to subject you to just picking winners and losers out of the top 10 here, but we're going to we're going to kind of do this uh, South End Zone podcast-esque draft pick style. We're going to go winners and losers for recruiting cycle. You know, you can just do signing day, early signing period, whatever you want, but your biggest winners and losers of the uh, recruiting season. And also, we're going to do a surprise at the end. Biggest surprise. So, uh, Timmy, I'm going to start with you. Give me your like number one biggest winner of the recruiting season this year. Uh, so, my biggest winner is Mizzou. That's not a team that's usually synonymous with having like a top 15 recruiting class. And for them being, you know, ranked as highly as they are up until this point, um, you know, they're at number 14 right now. That's that's pretty big for them, man. They're, they're bringing in like the number three overall prospect uh, from this year's recruiting class, which, you know, if you'd have told me that he was going to Mizzou, I'd have looked at you sideways and be like, kidding me? You kidding me? <laughs> and, and they got like six more four stars coming in there, you know to back him up. So that's just huge for them. And it, it kind of struck me when I was digging into this and saw what kind of class they had coming in up until this point. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they've done well under Drinkwitz, I would say. The one thing the one thing that sucks for Mizzou to me, like the biggest just dick punch for them is like, yeah, they brought in a great recruiting class, but they did lose some juice in the transfer portal. 
I mean, they're like they're freshman All American offensive lineman, big offensive tackle. He transferred to LSU. So good thing you brought in a good class because uh, hmm, you're going to have to figure out a way to protect uh, ba- Connor Basilak. Uh, but I-, I agree with you, Drinkwitz, to be up there at 14, Mizzou. I mean, I don't know how much NIL has to do with that, but maybe some. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, let's go with you. What's, who's your biggest winner? Uh, my biggest winner is it's kind of split between uh, a school and a person. So I'm going to go with Florida in general and Billy Napier in particular. Uh, so they are currently ranked six, currently ranked 16th uh, in, in the country. But two months ago, uh, when Billy Napier was hired, their 2022 class was in the 60s. So, you know, he jumped them up almost 50 spots uh, in the matter of a couple of months. And we talked about it um, when he was hired as far as that being his focus and what he was going to do and, and the type of staff he was going to build for recruiting. And it, it certainly looks like it's playing out. So it's not, you know, them being my big winner really has more to do with what they've done in the last two months and what it what it says about their outlook going forward under this kind of you know new regime than it does about the class itself specifically. But uh, Billy Napier is my winner. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Napier and the job he's done thus far recruiting. I mean, they, they haven't had, he, he's not like our Lincoln Riley where he can poach players from the school that he was at, you know, where like, he's not going to pull guys from Louisiana. <laughs> like, I don't think the Florida fan base would really appreciate guys like that coming over with him. So, I mean, they're, they're not the type of dudes that you need to win the SEC. So, uh, now to round out, uh, round one, my biggest winner, I mean, this is easy for me. It's Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. I mean, they finished with the number seven overall class and they, I mean, he's like with Brian Kelly, just ejecting like he did like before the playoffs and all that, like before they even knew if they were going to make the playoffs for them to, you know, maintain and still finish with the top 10 class. To me, that's really impressive. I mean, they, they were smart about it and promoted from within immediately. And, you know, he signed like four or five linebackers, I think, that are four-star better. One of them is a five-star. So, I mean, he's obviously, we know he's a defensive guy, really trying to build his defense. So, we'll see. I mean, they did uh, sign a four-star QB out of New Jersey. But for me, they're always that team, man. They're like a quarterback away from being an elite football team. I mean, do either one of you disagree with that? No, I think that what you said hit the nail right on the head where if they don't, you know, promote with from within and get Marcus Freeman in that spot, they probably lose a lot more of those kids than than they did. Agree. And I would like to point out that for 2023, Notre Dame currently ranked number one. Yeah. And number number seven for a school like that is really, really good. I don't know that yeah. people maybe appreciate that as much as they should. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to get in up there. It's not easy to get into Notre Dame. It's a tough school. Right. They're, they're, not always, to get into. they're not always in on the exact same players as a lot of other schools. No, absolutely not. They can't recruit the same type of dudes that go to Alabama and Georgia you know, and LSU. They just can't. I mean, that's why Brian Kelly left. I mean, yeah, he left for the money too, but bottom line, he wants to win a championship. And he didn't believe he could do it at Notre Dame. So I thought he left because he wanted to dance on video with 18-year-old kids. <laughs> and then lose that recruit to Alabama, which was hilarious. The, yeah. Well, he's, he spent 12 years in, in Indiana, and he just he wasn't able to unleash that, that accent. He had it pent up that whole time. <laughs> he, he had to get God. out, get somewhere he could, he could feast that on the world. All right. So that rounds out number one, Notre Dame, Florida, and Missouri. 
think that's a, that's a good solid one, two, three there. All right, Timmy, give me round two. Who's your number two winner? Uh, my number two is going to be Penn State, man. Ah, Ooh, I like they're, that. They're I like s- that. They're mm-hmm. sitting up there at uh, number six in the country, which I did not expect to see them this high. Like I said, when I started digging into this, yeah, after a what a, a seven and five season, they went seven and five. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was going to be one of my points. Is you know James Franklin doesn't really matter how you feel about his on-field performance up to this point. He's He's been really good in the recruiting the last couple of years, um, and this year he knocked it out of the park. I've just kind of felt that they've been like a quarterback away from breaking things wide open up there the last couple of years, and I think Franklin's really started to hone in on that because, you know, they landed a five-star QB this cycle. And that right there alone was enough to put them in consideration. And then seeing all the other kids they brought in, you know, just makes it an easy pick for me to bring them in here as a winner. Yeah, I did notice that. The, uh, Drew Aller, that, you know, big six. I mean, he's like, he's a big kid, man, like 6'4", 230, you know, big arm type guy. Really fits that kind of Penn State mold, what they like, you know, the big, huge kid who's got a big arm and all that. So I don't know. It should be interesting to see if he can challenge for some PT. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, ultimately, yeah, like you say, you saw what happened last year when Sean Clifford went down, man. I mean, they just... (laughs) Yeah, Biff Central. Yeah, they turned into just a super mediocre team. So, you know, I think you hit it right on the head there. I mean, Eric, do you have any comments about Penn State? Because I, I agree with all of Tim's points. Well, I do too. That's why I was kind of annoyed that he took it because they, they would have been my <laughs> second pick because you know, they were in the 20s last year. And then James Franklin spent probably, I would say maybe somewhere between half and two thirds of the season having people openly speculate that he was going to leave and to be able to, you know, through all that. And they weren't, they weren't fantastic on the field by any stretch. So to you know, given that coming out where they did in the top 10, I thought was A, surprising, and B, really, really impressive. Agree. So who is your number two now that uh, Penn State's gone? Do you have one? <laughs> I do. Uh, Schlen State. <laughs> uh, this this is something, this is a sentence I never thought I would say. My uh, my second biggest winner in the this year's recruiting roundup uh, is Arizona. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure exactly how, but Arizona, who went 1-11 and in a shitty conference last year, uh, somehow <laughs> recruited enough good players to end up number 22 in the country. So they are, they're second in the Pac-12. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a group of teams at you here. And you can tell me what's interesting about these. These are just a few. Uh, Oregon and Utah, Baylor and Oklahoma State, Pitt and Wake Forest, and Iowa. What do all those teams have in common? They probably all won double-digit games. They all they played all in, in conference, conference championships. championships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Every one of those teams played in their own conference championship, and Arizona out-recruited them. That's yeah, it's ridiculous. Mind blowing. So uh, yeah, so Jed Fish uh, getting it done. He's got them. uh, Maybe yeah, man. The future is kind of bright for them. Maybe so, and it can't get much worse. You know, Pac-12 is winnable. Yeah, (laughs) I mean mean, it's right there. It really is. I mean, his in-state rivals and shambles. I mean, the Pac-12 South. You got Lincoln Riley. Maybe gonna make some noise now, but. Yeah, I do think the Arizona State, now that you mentioned that, that does actually make sense that, that maybe they would get a bigger footprint on in-state recruits, given that the Sun Devils seem to be kind of of tire fire right at the moment. 
like if you're a recruit looking at the state of Arizona State's program, you're like, boy, I don't know what this place is going to look like in a year and a half. <laughs> like, are any of these people going to be here? You play to win the game. I, I can see where that maybe helps helps Arizona out a little bit, but still, you know, 22nd. Um, I was I was actually really surprised. I had to double, do a double take on that. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> well, a similar one to that was Indiana. You know, that, that was one I considered uh, in this spot. Uh, you know, after a 2-10 and 10 season, they managed to pull in the number 21 class. Relatively impressive. But, uh, yeah, agree with all your points about Arizona. They, they were going to be my, my number two there, 100%. But, since you took them, I'm going to round out number two with the Miami Hurricanes uh, at number 15 overall. Now, all these are according to 24-7 sports for our listeners. Uh, you know, we don't have enough time to uh, make recruiting rankings of our own, so we're just going to steal them from them, and we're perfectly okay with that. But I'm going to go with Miami. I mean, with all the shit that's been going on down there, like he he's pretty like, I mean, Cristobal's pretty much been doing this by himself. <laughs> like he, he hasn't had a coordinator like for most of his time there. Like they just now have hired guys to be their coordinators. So he's really been doing most of this recruiting himself and, you know, with his position coaches that he's got. I mean, that to me, like you look where Miami was before he was there. Straight dumpster fire status. They stink. Living off transfer quarterbacks and shows up and makes a little bit of noise in the transfer portal and also pulls in the number 15 class. I thought that was really impressive for Cristobal. Timmy, this would be where you jump in. You're an ACC guy. Nah, I mean, I think they they had a good class. You know, there's other teams in the ACC that outshined them um, in the recruiting cycle. So I think they're on the upswing, but they they still got a little bit of work to do to, you know, prove to me that they're going to be a perennial recruiting powerhouse. Yeah, I don't disagree there, but for year one, with as bad as they've been and as bad as their facilities are, you know, as compared to teams like Clemson. Well, given his track record, his track record of recruiting in Oregon probably also, you know, gives you some, some uh, reason for optimism as far as what he's going to do at Miami. You know, it's you don't look at his recruiting at Oregon and then what he's done at Miami and think that this is some outlier. Like this is this is what he does. He's a good recruiter. No, I'm just interested to see if he can maintain that given all the obstacles at Miami, you know, for the next couple of years, you know, seeing if this isn't just a flash in the pan because he's got a big flashy name coming from Oregon and now he's the head coach of Miami. You know, sometimes that's attractive to recruits and Seeing if he can maintain that as well. Oh, as okay. So you're saying, saying see if see if some of like the the novelty wears off. Right, right, okay. right, right. Well, yeah. So that that wraps up round two. I think those are all, like I say, really good selections. I agree with Tim on Penn State. Solid second round pick there. And damn it, Eric, you you took Arizona from me in the second round. Damn you. So, uh, Tim, do you have a round three? Do you have a third round winner? Yeah, I have a I have a third uh, entry, and uh, this one's more, you know, letter of the law definition of recruiting winner. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily mean that I feel like the product on the field is going to correlate, but uh, North Carolina, you know, they've demonstrated over the last couple of years that they uh, they know how to recruit, and they did it again this year. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, Mac Brown if he can do anything with another stellar recruiting class. Because, you know, we all know that he basically took that team 
last year and just ran them in the wood chipper. And, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them win seven or eight games next year or the year after with, you know, this kind of class coming in as well. But that's not really what we're grading here. We're grading the class. And I think they're they're definitely a winner coming out. Yeah, I mean, they, they signed some just straight-up beasts on the offensive and defensive line. I mean, just Yeah, and I'm going to get into a little bit of that during a later part of the segment, so don't, don't spoil too much of it for me. Okay, all right. I'll leave that to you. All right, so, Eric, uh, do you have a third, a third winner here, or you'd want uh, just- to— If I had to pick a third, uh, I would pick this team strictly because of uh, the circumstances surrounding their program. Um, Michigan, I think, finishing nine— Given all the the churn with the coaching staff and what was going on with them uh, to finish, you know, nine, it puts them third in the Big Ten. Um, but all the all the kind of the dots were lined up for that to go really poorly. I mean, their head coach was on a job interview on signing day. <laughs> so this like, is true. I mean, you know, it, and I, it sounds like most of their class was finalized in the early signing period in December. So you know. Uh, but given, you know, both coordinators gone, uh, head coach had a foot and a half out the door. So I, I, nine was pretty good for them, I thought, considering the circumstances. Yeah, I would have to agree. And damn you, that was my third one. Thanks a lot, a-hole. Now I'm just going to have to, like, shoot from the hip. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, it, it's honestly kind of mind-blowing that they were able to still bring in a top 10 class with all that stuff swirling around uh, and, you know, hang on to it. But I got to believe that if he does eject, that they just get a massive wave of transfers out of there and kids who get out of their letter of intent and things like that. I mean, that that's probably the only thing that saved them. So uh, for my third winner, since Eric took my third winner again, uh, I'm just going to kind of, skim over two schools here. Uh, the first being Oklahoma. I think uh, Brent Venables did a nice job, you know, bringing in a top 10 class with all the kids that Lincoln Riley took with him. So, you know, they didn't sign any just the premier five-star guys, but I mean, he still brought in 21 kids and they're still going to be the favorite in the Big 12. So, I mean, that yet to be seen what kind of product they put on the field, kind of like Timmy alluded to earlier with North Carolina, but I mean, to me, to bring in a top eight class when a lot of those kids are ejecting after the head coach leaves, I think that's pretty impressive and I think it's something they can build on for the future. And then the other school that I would briefly skim over, Stanford. Back in the top 20, man, 18th overall class, they made some adjustments to their entry requirements and did some things so that, you know, they can get these kids on the field, you know, because I mean, the early signing period really screwed them over. You know, the entry requirements to Stanford are <laughs> not the same as they are at a school like Oregon or USC, you know, so it's a little bit different. But great job by David Shaw getting back in the top 20 there. Yeah. I would also say that COVID hurt Stanford maybe as far as recruiting more than anyone else. Because if I don't know if you guys have ever seen Stanford's campus in person, but just like driving by it once, like, no, like just driving past it once, like, 12, 15 years ago. I mean, their, their campus is incredible and not being able to have recruits on site at their campus probably hurt them more than like, you know, a, an Auburn or a North Carolina or just, you know, a, 
their campus is that nice. Um, yeah, I mean, you could compare it to like Notre Dame because, I mean, Notre Dame recruits the same kind of players that Stanford gets. I mean, they're both Catholic schools. So it, they're both pri- private universities with, you know, extremely tough entry requirements. But the COVID restrictions in Indiana, not quite as strict as they are in California. So, right. Yeah. So that going away. And I think them being able to actually have kids on visits and come, you know, game day experience and, and see the campus it probably helped them a lot, which is why they went from the mid 40s up to 18. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. So, loser time. Timmy, give me your number one L. All right. Flamethrowers coming out, boys. <laughs> um, oh, God. My first biggest loser is uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, man. Oh, no. Lane Kiffin, dog. Come on, man. You talk way too much shit and post way too many pictures with kids in front of your porch to be sitting down there at 24 and 10th, fucking 10th in the SEC. I mean, how are you going to let Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn out recruit you? Mm. Out of here, Lane. That's weak. Yikes. Well, I mean, I'll tell you how. Well, you should know that. Yeah, you do it because you bring in 13 transfers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, he's the transfer king. Yeah, you, you prioritize getting guys like, uh, you know, Jackson Dart, uh, Zach Evans through the transfer portal and maybe not focus as much on uh, the high school guys. I mean, they still got uh, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five, four stars who all play defense, which is good for them because they ordinarily don't. But yeah, I, I think that's more of a byproduct of him focusing so hard on getting more established guys through the transfer portal than recruiting the high schoolers. Mm. But I think you're right, Timmy. I would expect them to be higher than 24, even given that. Agreed. All right, Eric, give me your first L. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Narduzzi at Pitt. You son of a bitch. Oh, man. God, it was brutal. Pitt reeled in the nation's 73rd ranked recruiting class. Uh, they were in the top 30 last year. <laughs> and uh, zero five stars, one four star, and 11 three stars. 12 commits total. Uh, they are a spot behind UTSA, which is probably tells you all you need to know about how this went for them. Uh, 14th in the ACC. Yeah, that was totally going to be my, my second pick. <laughs> that That's just inexcusable, man. It's just atrocious. I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's sad. It's stuck. Not that Pitt is that relevant of a team year in and year out, but to sign that kind of class coming off of an ACC championship, like, uh, I mean, appearance anyway. Like, what what the fuck is going on? What are we doing? <laughs> like, it makes no sense. I don't understand. So yeah, He just got a contract extension, too, so. Oh. Well, hopefully they're doing some work on the transfer portal, because, yeah. uh, yikes. All right, yeah, so. Yeah, Keaton Slovis, anybody? <laughs> all right, so for my biggest uh, loser, I'm going to go with this team, and it's for one reason. Florida State, when you've got. They, I mean, they brought in 16 kids, you know, a few four-stars, a bunch of three-stars. But ultimately, when Travis Hunter, the number one ranked player in the country, is committed to you for a year and a half, uh, ejects to go to an FCS school. That's terrible. That'll kill us. And not to mention, it's an FCS school who the head coach, his alma mater, is Florida State. <laughs> like, oh, man. I, it just – Norvell – like, I, I feel like this was the year, man. Like, if he could have brought in a decent class this year, maybe they get it turned around under him. But, man, to see this kind of class they're bringing in, it gives me no no hope for optimism. I mean, the 20th ranked class, that's not terrible, but still, 
I'm just, I think if, I, I think the conversation of them becoming an ACC power under Norvell, I think it's just done. Um, I mean, do you, do you disagree yeah, with of. that, Eric? I, I go back and forth. I, now, I would I would give you the caveat that that twenty, right? I mean, if they don't lose that kid on signing day for for whatever reason, um, there's a lot of speculation out there on why he chose Jackson State that I don't know enough about to comment on. But you know, that twenty, I mean, they're one player away from probably being top fifteen, and he has he has done a pretty good job with the transfer portal, bringing bringing guys like uh, Jermaine Johnson, prime example. Wasn't wasn't seeing a ton of snaps at Georgia. Wanted to get a little more game action. Get get some more you know, on film. Goes to Florida State. Leads the ACC in sacks. Probably going to be maybe a first round pick. Definitely in the first two rounds, he'll he'll get drafted. Um, guys like that. He's Norvell's done a good job of identifying and and getting. And even aside from the Hunter kid, uh, their their class is decent. But yeah, that that one stings because. That the hunter kid, he was a top ten ranked corner and a top ten ranked, you know, nationally top ten ranked receiver. So they could have really plugged him in anywhere and and gotten contribution from him. And you know, don't say I necessarily understand the decision, but yeah, that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, I mean, he like that kid. That's the type of recruit that you get, like a like when Alabama signed Julio Jones type thing. You know, number one ranked receiver in the country, and it just massively improve their passing game day one. So not saying this kid's Julio Jones, don't quote me on that. But I mean, when you lose a kid like that, it's just a death blow to your passing game, man. I mean, they don't have any game breakers on their offense, none. And I don't know. I think they're the biggest loser for me. You lose that kid to an FCS school, like inexcusable Norvell. You're my biggest loser. (laughs) So Timmy, give me round two. Um, So my second loser uh, it's going to be a similar entry to Eric's um, since he took Pitt from me, um, but they were my backup choice, and it's Wake Forest, man, for mostly the same reasons. Oh. I mean, you're going to go out there, and you're going to win 11 games, and you're going to show up in the ACC championship game, and you're going to come out here, and you're going to finish second to last in the conference and recruiting. Like You're not going to get where you want to get, which is annually appearing in the ACC championship game doing shit like this. I mean, we all know that, you know, Wake Forest is a smaller school and, you know, it's going to be hard for them to haul in, you know, top 25, top 10 classes, but you can't be doing shit like this and sustain what you want to do there. Uh, It's just kind of sad to see, you know, that kind of result from what they put into it. Well, I don't disagree with you, but I will like put a caveat on that. I mean, this is pretty much par for the course for Wake, for what Wake Forest has been doing. Well, it is, and that's kind of why it's a disappointment to me, because similar to what we said with Pitt, after the season that they had, you would have expected that there would have been at least a slight uptick. Yeah, maybe. I I won't disagree with that, but I I think Wake is one of those teams where nobody predicts them to win double-digit games. I think it was a product of a down year in the ACC, and also... You know, them exceeding expectations. I mean, they had a, what was it, a seven or a six and a half win total, and we took over and you said we were crazy. So, yeah, they won double digit games this year. Good for them. But, like, no one expects them to do that again next year. Even if they'd signed a, you know, the number 15 class, nobody's going to be putting Wake Forest at 10 wins next year. Well, they're a, they're a private school too. They face a lot of the same challenges as the Vanderbilts and Stanfords and Notre Dames of the world. 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're consistently in the fifties and sixties. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure they would have liked to have done better and you maybe would expect a, a team that won double digits games and played in the conference championship to do better. But, you know, being behind Arkansas state, Syracuse and coastal Carolina, yeah, not a great look. I kind of get it, but I maybe cut them a little more slack than Timmy does. I don't cut him any slack. I know. <laughs> no, we, yeah. no, no fucking slack for them guys. All right, Eric, uh, biggest loser round two. Oh boy. You know what? I'm starting to think about this now. ACC fans are going to hate our guts <laughs> because my second pick is NC State. <laughs> Not a bad choice. That was one I considered for sure. I mean, they're, uh, they're bad. Yeah. NC State, number 63, zero five stars, two four stars, 10 three stars. They were 36 last year, so they dropped almost 30 spots. And they had, I mean, they had a not a great year, but they were they were good. What they win eight games? Uh, nine, I think. I think they went nine. Yeah, I think four. it was nine. Yeah, I mean they were they were you know com- competing for a spot in the conference championship game till the end. So yeah, I just I don't know how. I think it's the same as Wake Forest. You know, NC State not a not a recruiting power. <laughs> They're just not. They don't bring in top tier talent. They've had some decent players come through there, but most of them exceed expectations. I mean, I don't. NC State's another one of those teams. They're they're getting way too much preseason love thus far, but I think Timmy's kind of right on. I think the the preseason love train is going to kind of even out, and people are going to stick yeah. To I mean, we've the, and we've talked about the is. yeah, we've talked about the preseason stuff where they were you know they're showing up at like ninth or whatever, and we're all like, come on, like no. But the and part of it is that North Carolina did so well. Um, because when you're talking about in-state recruiting, it, it is a zero-sum deal. Uh, you know, if, if one school does really well, the other schools in that state, by definition, can't do very well in-state. So North Carolina being up there at, at 10 or 11 or whatever they were, you know, hurts NC State, and for that matter, hurts Wake Forest too. Yeah, I would have to agree. All right, so uh, with my last biggest loser here to round out this round, it they're kind of a loser and kind of a winner to me, but. Clemson. They finished at number 10 overall. Yeah, I thought now, about them too. Now, the positives, they did sign the number one QB in the country. I mean, Cade Klubnik, he's freaking nature. He's going to compete with DJU and also Hunter Johnson, who transferred from Northwestern. He'll compete for the starting job there. At this point, it's DJU's to lose, but they did lose some kids. They kind of got punched in the dick because they lost their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, and like three four-star recruits all in the same week, all when that happened. So just kind of a perfect storm. But ultimately, they're still loaded with talent. They should still be favored to win the ACC. So yet to be seen, but losing their coordinators and losing a few kids, I feel like that's they should be they should garner some biggest loser consideration here. All right, now, Timmy, I think you've got one more one more loser to go over. Yeah, and this one's just uh, for the spirit and intent of this segment. I feel <laughs> like you can't have a segment like this without mentioning the team that finished absolutely dead last in the recruiting rankings, and that award goes to Montana State. So I would just like to highlight that they were last in the country. So good job, guys. <laughs> Throwing shade at Montana State. Good Lord. Well, they weren't much worse than Arizona State, you know, by that, by those. Standards. Not very far off. No, but <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure, was, pretty sure Montana State played in the FCS finals. They very well way have. I don't know. I, I think that's who I North Dakota shit State. About them. I think that's who North Dakota State beat. 
Well, I got to be honest. I, I know I, they I'm made little, at least the semis. I, I got to be honest here. I'm a little bit, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to save that for our next segment because I don't have any more winners or losers. Um, the only other losers I was going to kind of skim over, uh, Oregon losing Cristobal. Obviously, they fell off in recruiting, finished you know in the 30s. It's not, doesn't look good up there. When Stanford and Arizona are out recruiting you, that's not good. And then Auburn. We talked about Auburn in depth. They've lost a ton of guys to the transfer portal. Didn't really finish strong in recruiting. Uh, just doesn't look good there. So, all right. Surprise time. Timmy, what's your biggest surprise? So, you already mentioned my biggest surprise team, and that was Stanford. So, I'm not going to rehash that one. But my other choice would have been... Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> God damn it. The Campbell College Campbell's checking in on the board at number 89 overall and even landing a four-star commitment in you there. You son of me? a bitch. I mean, that's that's <laughs> crazy, man. Mike Minter over there making it happen. Let's see if he can make it happen on the field next year as well. Can we just all agree that that was our biggest surprise as a podcast? Like, Yeah, I think yeah. we were all like aghast. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I'm not going to say there's a, a team that's more surprising than that. I, I mean, they had a better recruiting class than fucking UW. Kid me. Yeah, UW, yeah. Arizona State, Liberty. I mean, Kansas. there's Kansas. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, they, they had a better recruiting class than three power five schools as an FCS team. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a ton of teams that like that are in, you know, the group of five that you would think they would be above the fighting camels, but they're not, man. I'm telling you, I, I credit us. Yeah, I yeah. think we've, I think we've put them on the map personally. We did. <laughs> we, for anybody who's wondering, go, go back and listen. Cause we put them on the map long before they were on college game day. I would just like to put oh, that yeah, out God, there. That was, uh, that was week, the week one recap. Cause whenever they played Liberty. Yeah. Week one, week two. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when they beat the blue hose? It was maybe. I think Can't it was remember. the blue hose. The blue hose did not have did not have hose in Campbell's area code. No, none. Yeah, God I don't think we me. need to really go in depth on surprises. I mean, do either one of you have anything other than that? Because that was kind of well. It sounds be mine like we all too. had the same one. Yeah, I mean that. I I am a little bit surprised that Cincinnati finished as low as they did. Just keeping fickle. I mean, I know they're a group of five, but they are about to join the Big 12. And they did bring in 19 kids, but 42nd? I don't know. I just I figured after the playoff noise and, oh, we're joining the Big 12, I, I figured they would have made a little bit more noise than 42nd overall. Yeah, you would think so. But I think by the time they're, you know, any more, uh, uh, the majority of kids sign in December, it seems like. So I, I think by the time they were actually, hey, we're a playoff team. We made the playoff. This other school didn't. I think a lot of those kids had. They might have been going after it already signed somewhere. Yeah. But I, I think making the playoff this year probably helps them for recruiting next year more than it does this cycle. Agree. Um, so before we close out, do you guys have any interesting tidbits, observations, anything you'd like to discuss before yeah, we shut I had, I had one that I kind of alluded to earlier where I stopped you. You were talking about, you know, North Carolina's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, recruiting class and some of the kids they brought in. Um, I'm going to put my Homer hat on for a second. Oh, dear. And I'm going to tie this back to Virginia Tech. But this is going to kind of make my point about how I feel Brent Pry's recruiting philosophy is going in the right direction up there in Blacksburg. 
Uh, because do either of you know how many of those kids in North Carolina's class were from Blacksburg's backyard? Uh, that, no, I have no idea. There were seven, including their highest rated recruit, and he, who was a five-star, and um, their highest rated four-star. Um, so a lot of those kids you were talking about, Jason, they're from right in the backyard of Virginia Tech's bread and butter. So mm. getting those kids back is going to be huge for Virginia Tech, and I think uh, he can make it happen. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the recruiting. Definitely, you know, less uh, less banter on this show. But uh, Eric, what uh, what are we looking for next week? What are we What are we going to be talking about? Do we have a topic for next week yet? We do. Next week, we're shifting away from football and back towards football adjacent. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, next week is uh, the a best and worst show for Ooh. uniforms, mascots, and logos. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's about to be some straight up flamethrowers. Some throwers. teams are going to get crushed. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, just some flamethrower status. I would like to elect Maryland right out of the gate. McDonald's uniforms, worst ever. I'm going to go with a, an early entry of Stanford. Your fucking mascot is a tree. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, save it. Save it, man. You, you can't. You don't want to walk into <laughs> oh, a gunfight. I got fight. plenty more. You don't want to walk into a gunfight next week with all your bullets gone. Don't worry. There's plenty of bullets. I got a whole belt. I bet. So, yeah, that's what we got next week. Uh, best, best and worst for uniforms, mascots, and logos. Uh, after that. Yeah, after that, I think we're, we'll be back to football for a little bit, but I wanted to work in a uh, a little bit of an off-topic in there to the schedule, break things up a little bit. All right, good deal. Well, uh, yeah, well, that is going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, you can find us on all major platforms. Uh, go give us a listen and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating if you love the show. It helps us out a lot. Uh, we will be back with you next week, and we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Have a great day.